What is up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Inside the Hoosier Mind here uh, in sunny Dayton, Ohio. It is now starting to turn into fall weather, at least here in the Midwest. So it has definitely been a lot cooler, a lot nicer. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do a week two summary, uh, but I am going to do slightly a bit of a week three summary uh, as it's currently a little after six o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in oh, sunny Ohio. I'm going to do a little bit of a recap of what I've seen so far as uh, week three goes. And then we're also looking, we're starting to see a little bit as far as what teams are starting to develop in, uh, even just three weeks into the season. So I'm going to give a quick re recap of each game and what I think kind of happened and what I think the future is going to go for each of these teams per game. Uh, so we start out Thursday night. We had Panthers versus the Texans. Panthers ended up winning 24-9. to uh, To me... The biggest question that was asked was, Sam Darnold looked great against the Texans. Panthers have yet to trail this season uh, in any of the games. They've won all three. They're 3-0. First time they've done that since 2015, the year that they went to the Super Bowl. So the biggest question, was it a Jets problem or was it a Sam Darnold problem? To me, just looking at what he's had as far as in Carolina as compared to New York, I would say it was a Jets problem. There's a reason why everybody had him so highly valued on the draft board when he was coming out of college. Uh, there's a lot of people actually argued he should have been the number one overall pick instead of Baker Mayfield. Uh, now, I believe that's actually starting to show for good reason. He now has a team that actually has a good support system, a good foundation behind him. He, the Panthers' defense was ranked number one coming into that game. I believe they're probably still really close as far as being ranked number one still. Uh, just about every single category that there is. He has actually extremely lowered his turnover rate as far as fumbles and interceptions go. And I think a lot of that is because he's not having to play from behind. He's not having to literally be the heart and soul of the team. Whereas with the Jets, he didn't have a lot of wide receiver talent, didn't have a lot of tight end talent, and didn't have a defense that could bail him out. And now we've already seen... Uh, his last 13 games with the Jets, he went 3-10. and 10. Here, his first starts in 2021, he's already 3-0. and 0. So, unless something disastrous happens, he's already posed to have a better season than he ever did his last one with New York. Second one, probably one of the biggest shockers today. We had the Chargers against the Chiefs. And the Chargers actually won over the Chiefs, which I think surprised a lot of people, especially given the fact that the Chargers have so much potential. Justin Herbert came just out of the blue last year. You know, he was drafted out of Oregon. Uh, everybody knew the the Chargers were probably going to draft him, uh, if not maybe even go for Tua Tungabailoa. Ended up going with Justin Herbert, and I think out of those two teams so far, even though a lot of people get a lot of discredit and a lot of, a lot of negativity towards Tua, right now I would say the Chargers are winning that bet over the Dolphins. Um, but the biggest thing that is actually hurting the Chargers is themselves. The amount of penalties that they had, especially last week in the Dallas game, there was just penalties everywhere. A lot of touchdowns have been called back due to just simple mistakes. They've put themselves in bad positions. Uh, they've managed to win, 
but I think a little bit of that has also been just mistakes made on the Kansas City side, as well as the Chargers being able to capitalize. But they were able to sneak away with a win. They are now 2-1, second in the division right behind Denver, uh, which as of right now, the Jets game is the Broncos against the Jets is still going on, and it is 20 to nothing Broncos. So as of right now, Chargers look very much poised to be tied for second place in the division. And very surprisingly, it is looking like the Chiefs are going to stay in the bottom of the division, uh, no matter how the Jets and Broncos game pans out. And I don't think anybody expected that. If you would have asked them, you know, about four weeks ago when the season started, if Kansas City was going to be at the bottom of the AFC West. Another game, the Bears versus the Browns. Unfortunately, the Browns took the win on that one, 26-6. I think it was a rough day for Justin Fields. Um, I think this actually shows a lot as far as Matt Nagy as a coach. Uh, I talked about this on another uh, podcast that I'm on uh, with the network that I work that I work with. They, Matt Nagy it reminds me a lot of how Jason Garrett used to be with Dallas. Matt Nagy's very stale in his play calling. I think for Matt Nagy, he probably has is in one of the best positions that you could have. You drafted a very talented rookie quarterback out of Ohio State University. A lot of hype. To me personally, I believe Justin Fields should have been drafted second overall. I'm glad he didn't because then he would have gone to the Jets, and I feel like then he would have pandered out, and he would not have been potentially as successful as what he could be being in Chicago. Chicago having a better support system. Chicago having better weapons, better defense. Uh, and having Matt Nagy as a coach. Now, the thing that does surprise me uh, is the fact that this is probably one of the most talented quarterbacks Matt Nagy has had since Patrick Mahomes, and a lot of people are going to think that I'm trying to compare Justin Fields to Patrick Mahomes. It's not the case. He's not proven himself to that point yet. This is only his third NFL game. This is the first one he started, and he lost, unfortunately, very wholeheartedly. But he has the talent. He has the arm talent. He has the mobility. You know, He just has to learn the game. And I think with Matt Nagy's play calling, which is really surprising, uh, I think that is actually going to be the biggest hindrance to the Bears, um, as well as I believe Ryan Pace as the general manager should have been fired a long time ago. Um, how he is able to still keep his job, I don't know. Um, the Bears unfortunately fall to one and two, but with the NFC North right now, by the looks of it, uh, still very much in contention. With the only two teams having wins in that division as of right now, are the Packers and the Bears. Uh, Minnesota is actually looking for its first win. They're up 21-17 to right now against the Seahawks in the middle of the third quarter. Uh, and the Lions, unfortunately, suffered a heartbreak today against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, which I'll talk about here in just a little bit. So, after that, we have the Colts versus the Titans. Colts fell 25-16 to with Tennessee coming up with the victory. Colts fall to 0-3 for the first time, if I remember correctly, since 2011, so 10 years. Uh, that was the year they went 2-14, and ended up getting the number one overall pick, and ended up drafting Andrew Luck. Uh, to me, I think that's the Colts, honestly, that's their biggest weakness is the quarterback position right now. Unfortunately, I think the Carson Wentz thing is not going to work out the way um, most Colts fans, like myself, uh, since the Colts are my second team, um, I don't think it's going to work out, unfortunately, like everybody expected it to. You know, he did go back with Frank Reich, an amazing offensive line. Now, the weapons are a little little iffy. Weapons, you know, T.Y. Hilton is old. Pascal's not bad. Pittman's not terrible. Jack Doyle, I think, is a little older. Not as good as he used to be. 
Uh, running back wise, they are stacked. They have Nakeem Hines. They have Jonathan Taylor. Um, if anything, I think they need to rely on the run game more than what they have recently. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, defensively, they are still solidly stacked. Um, and then Tennessee just happened to capitalize. You know, they have Derrick Henry. They have Julio Jones. Ryan Tannehill is a decent game-managing quarterback. Um, I, I do think, though, uh, the last couple of games, even before the one with the Colts, uh, kind of exposed Ryan Tannehill, how they managed to get one over on the Seahawks. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I think that was just a fumbled mistake by the Seahawks as a, as a team whole. Um, I can't really specifically blame that even on Russ. Russ has played fantastic like he always does at the beginning of the seasons. Um, so to me, really, this is this is kind of a big surprise. And really, to the Colts' benefit, even with that, uh, the Jags are still 0-3 as well. Uh, the Houston Texans are 1-2, and <laughs> with their only win coming against, ironically enough, the Jags. Uh, the Titans are 1-2, and, and the Colts are 0-3. So really, that division is still up for grabs even early on. Um, so the Colts still have a chance, but they are going to have a very tough schedule that they have to play. Uh, so I think it'll be very, very rough for the Colts going into uh, the next couple of weeks. One game that really surprised me, though, um, that I actually, that I'm really looking forward to talking about in a couple days on the other podcast that I'm on, uh, the Washington football team against the Buffalo Bills. Washington has looked absolutely terrible uh, these first three weeks. It is a, this is a defense with four first-round picks. Uh, one of them they just paid. And this is a team that is just giving up a massive amount of points every single week. They lost to the Chargers. Uh, they gave up, I believe, 17 points to them. They gave up 29 uh, against the Giants. They gave up 43 uh, today against the Bills. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't expect Washington's offense to be able to compete with a lot of these teams. That was, that to me is really the, the Washington football team's biggest hindrance is their offense. They have one legitimate wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. Fortunately, Curtis Samuel is on IR. I believe he's out for the season. I could be wrong on that, though. They do have a lot of bright spots in Antonio Gibson. Uh, the offensive line is pretty solid. Their tight end, Logan Thomas, isn't bad, but he's quarterback transitioned into tight end, so I can't. I can't give him a lot, but I can give him some. Um, but that defense has just not nearly lived up to expectations, and it's not nearly as good as what it was last year, um, when that was probably one of the best defense defenses in the league. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a top-10 unit. Um, I definitely did, and unfortunately that does not look like that's going to be the case so far, three games in. I think Ron Rivera and the Washington football team really need to uh, look into going back to what their strengths are, doing running the football, have Taylor Heineke be a game manager, and whatever Ron Rivera has to do to motivate that defense, being a defensive mastermind that he is, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio need to do something to help that team and get this defense back on track. Then we have Cardinals versus the Jags. Cardinals also first time they're 3-0 since 2015 when they went to the NFC Championship against the Carolina Panthers. Um, Cardinals, I think, are one of those teams that they've been very underrated. Um, I think a lot of people didn't really expect them to do as well as they have, uh, and especially for the fact that, as of right now, um, with Seattle playing, uh, the 49ers have played tonight on Sunday Night Football, and the Rams are also playing right now. Uh, as of right now, the Cardinals are still technically sitting in first place 
uh, in the division. So there is a lot that goes with that, especially being in probably the toughest division in the NFL, being in the NFC West. Uh, you know, Seattle is almost always in contention for the division. Uh, the Rams are a heavy favorite. The 49ers are supposed to be if they're healthy. Um, but unfortunately, the injury bug has hit the 49ers, uh, especially in the running back position. Um, and then unfortunately for the Jags, uh, they are now 0-18. They've lost their last 18 games. Their last victory uh, was week one of 2020 uh, against, ironically enough, the Indianapolis Colts with Phillips Rivers uh, in his very first game. And it was when Gardner Minshew started for uh, the Jags, who is now in Philadelphia, because the Jags believe that Trevor Lawrence is the way to go. Um, I do believe that's the case. There's a lot of people kind of freaking out, you know, is Trevor Lawrence actually the guy or what is happening? There's a lot with that. I'm only going to go so deep with that as of right now. Um, I think it's one of those Urban Meyer is learning how to coach in the NFL. Um, he's not able to do what he was able to do with the college um, as far as being able to prepare, kind of having those cupcake games to kind of get some morale built, have some positives to go off of. Um, and they're going to, they're, unfortunately, they're going to take some licks. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence could potentially be that guy. Um, I think they just have to be able to build around him. I think one of the smartest things they could have done as far as building around him goes, they went and got Travis Etienne from Clemson, uh, his running back with him for all those years. So I believe that is a very good start. Um, but it's just going to be a long road for Jags fans, unfortunately. I would say trust the process. Um, to me, I think Urban Meyer needs to do a complete coaching staff rehaul. Um, it is not a good coaching staff. Brian Schottenheimer. Um, Daryl Bevel, who is the interim head coach for the Lions last season after Matt Patricia gets uh, fired. I think Urban, unfortunately, the NFL experiment is going to fail. Um, I think Urban needs to go back to college. Um, I know that it's early to say, just being three weeks in, and I love Urban Meyer as a coach. Uh, but unfortunately, I do not think as of right now, if he's saying it's like playing Alabama every week, you, you should know that. This is the pros. You know, if, if it's me... If I'm Urban Meyer as a head coach, that's how I would coach is, hey, this is the best team in the in the NFL, and we need to play like we're playing the best team in the NFL. I don't care if it's, if it's the Jags versus the Jets, you know, probably the two worst franchises as of right now. That is the best team in the NFL. We need to play like we're playing the best team in the NFL. Um, I don't know if Urban Meyer would do that, but that's what I would do if I was the head coach and if I was Urban Meyer in his position being brand new. Another kind of shocker, the Saints upset the Patriots today. Well, I don't know exactly if it's an upset or not, but it's something that I don't think a lot of people expected. Uh, the Saints beat the Patriots 28-13. This is actually New Orleans' first time winning in New England since week 14 of 1995. So 26 years it's been since they actually won in New England. Um, to me... Again, I, throughout the entirety of the offseason, throughout the entirety of the regular season, I have never been sold on Mac Jones. I'm still not completely sold on Mac Jones. I think if out of rookie quarterbacks being put in probably one of these best positions as far as a team, an offense, and a defense that tailors to him, I think he came in probably the best spot. Um, but I don't think he's the guy. You know, he, he doesn't have weapons to throw deep to like he did in Alabama. Um, I think personally Bill Belichick spent way too much money for the two tight ends that he's got, Hunter Henry and John Smith. Um, 
if Tom Brady potentially had those weapons, this would be a little bit of a different, probably more high-powered offense. Um, but I don't think Mac Jones has the experience. In all honesty, I think Mac Jones is used to having first-round talent everywhere, especially with how Alabama is as a whole. First-round talent in the offensive line. You have first-round talent in wide receiver, tight end, defense, cornerbacks, D-linemen, linebackers. Heck, probably even kickers almost. Um, there's first-round first talent everywhere in Alabama except – to me, for the quarterback position, to me, I think those quarterbacks get spoiled because they have some of the best players in the college nation. They're playing all under one system, and it's it's just hard to not be great when you have that good of players there. And I think we're starting to see that now with Mac Jones being in New England. Um, and then the Saints, I think they're still kind of trying to figure out this whole Jameis Winston thing. I think the Saints are going to really beat up on... I think the Saints are going to beat up on a lot of what we're supposed to think of as bad teams, which I think is going to be the case. Um, to the exception of the Packers, I think the Packers are going to be better. I think that was just a, a fluke of Aaron Rodgers having to get comfortable back in the system again since he pretty much missed the entirety of the offseason. Then probably the game that shocked everybody, and is fortunately, unfortunately for Lions fans, the Ravens versus the Lions. The Ravens managed to win with a 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker. It was 17-16. I watched it. Um, the Lions gave up a massive play um, to the Ravens that set them up for that field goal. Uh, and, and after the Lions managed to go down, get the touchdown, leave only about a few, few seconds left, neither team had any timeouts left, and Lions were just one play away from winning. Baltimore gets the conversion. They run up, they spike it, they kick the field goal, and they manage to win. Uh, fortunately for Lions fans, I think this shows that the Lions actually are better uh, than initially perceived because they have been in close contention in every game with the exception against the Packers. But even then, really until about the second half, the Lions were even in contention with the Packers. So... I think Dan Campbell is actually a good fit for them. I think they're managing to make it work with what they have. Um, I don't expect them to go into the playoffs. I don't expect them to make some type of deep run. Uh, but I do expect him to actually make this Lions team significantly better uh, than what they were to start with. And probably another big shocker. Uh, the Bengals versus the Steelers. Cincinnati finally getting their first road win against Pittsburgh since week 8 of 2015. Um, they beat Pittsburgh 24 to 10. Uh, Joe Burrow went 14 of 18, about 180 yards, a couple touchdowns, and one interception. Um, poor Joe Burrow has now thrown four interceptions uh, just on the year so far. Uh, three of those, though, came against the Bears last week. Um, so to me, and Ben Roethlisberger threw 58 times in that game. Pittsburgh ran the ball 15 times. Najee Harris got 14 touches, Ben Roethlisberger got one, and they managed a total of 46 yards. To me, if I'm, if I'm looking at this, it, does Pittsburgh think that there's something wrong with Najee Harris, that you're not putting the ball in his hands? You know, you drafted him number one, you know, you, he's your number one draft pick out of Alabama. He is actually a solid running back. 
again, running back is one of those few positions that Alabama has that they are actually good at what they do. And the fact that you decide not to go with him and run the ball, but you're going to trust old Big, Big Ben Roethlisberger to throw the ball almost 60 times, when, what, when do you think that you're going to win? You don't have that high-powered offense that you used to have back in the day. If you had Antonio Brown, if you had Juju Smith-Schuster, if you had Mike Wallace, if you have Heinz Ward, if you have Emmanuel Sanders, if you have Heath Miller, yeah, you can throw the ball 60 times because you're eventually it's going to happen. There's too many weapons for them to be able to stop and cover. But you are not going to be able to do that with Big Ben Roethlisberger, with Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. It's just it's not going to happen. They are a solid group. They are. I think that as far as youth-wise, there's a lot of potential in Pittsburgh, but they have to move on from the quarterback. And I think, to me, Steelers need to lose in order to actually you know, move on in the franchise off of Big Ben and put themselves in a good position to get a potential quarterback for the future. Because, personally, I don't know if Dwayne Haskins is going to be that guy for Pittsburgh, but we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. And then the last game, the, at least the early stretch of games, Falcons versus the Giants. Falcons came in 0-2. The Giants came in 0-2. Falcons won on a last-minute field goal. This was a close game the entire time. It was 17-14 with the Falcons coming away with the victory with the last-minute last field goal from Young Way Koo. To me, if I'm a Giants fan, and one of the guys I work with on the network is a huge Giants fan. The last two games, Daniel Jones has done everything he's supposed to do. He has been smart with the football. He hasn't fumbled. He hasn't thrown any picks the last two games. Now, first game, yeah, he did. These last two games, he's played significantly smarter. He's used his legs. He's put the ball where he's needed to. They have a good... They have good weaponry. Offensive line is still a major issue. The defense, I think, unfortunately, is underperforming this year as to what they could. Uh, especially to me personally, I think they have the best secondary in the division, especially right now. Um, with James Bradbury, Logan Ryan, um, and Adoree Jackson. Then you have Xavier McKinney and Drew Brill Peppers as your safety. So, I mean, to me, on paper... Secondary-wise, they are in the best position to succeed as far as that goes. Um, and then Saquon Barkley is luckily making a lot of his comebacks. And then you have all the other offensive weaponry. And Daniel Jones has done what he's needed to do. To me, New York needs a GM change. New York needs a coaching change. To me, to me, Joe Judge is not as good as what it seemed when he first came into New York. New York had a very good defense. Uh, right about when he came in, um, kind of continued to add on to that. They lost a couple pieces, um, but added us. They added depth. They added good starters in the in the backfield as far as the secondary goes. The linebackers yeah, still a little bit iffy. Blake Martinez is their best linebacker. He wasn't necessarily bad in Green Bay. I don't necessarily consider him great in New York, um, but to me. They need to move from Ryan. Um, Ryan. Uh, they they need to move on from Dave Gettleman. They need to move on from Jason Garrett. That was the biggest issue with Jason Garrett. His play calls were very stale. Uh, to me, as a, even as a Cowboys fan, I think he wasted a lot of potential. 
uh, with Dallas, and I think, unfortunately, if you let him have the reins for too long in New York, he's going to do the same thing. I think he's going to waste away that talent uh, there in New York. You know, have Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay, a lot of question marks coming in, you know, as to why Detroit didn't sign him. You know, he was a great wide receiver for Detroit. Detroit let him walk. You have Darius Slayton. You have Sterling Shepard. You have Saquon. Evan Ingram, a lot of question marks because he's, you know, not living up to the potential that he has, which is completely understandable uh, that they would feel that way. Sorry about that. Um, but as of right now, at least two weeks in, Daniel Jones is not necessarily the problem. Now, again, that may or may not change as the season goes on, but whether that does or doesn't, two things are for sure. Dave Gettleman needs to go. Daniel Jones needs to go. And then, of course, give you a little bit of an insight as far as the last couple games that are going on right now. Uh, the Rams are beating the Buccaneers 28-14 to with about five minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, the Raiders have come back 14 to nothing uh, against the Miami Dolphins. The Raiders now lead 25-14 to with 10 minutes left in the game. I think the Raiders are potentially going to take this victory and go to 3-0. and uh, the Raiders will have then beat the Ravens um, to start the season. They then beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they beat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, at least the Ravens and the Dolphins were projected to be uh, playoff teams. Now, again, that'll be a little bit remains to be said as far as Miami goes, uh, but I think the Raiders have a lot of potential. However, the Raiders always start off hot and then unfortunately fizzle out as the season goes on. Uh, the Jets and Broncos game is almost done, so for Jets fans, be fortunate. Um, and the Broncos just got a pick, uh, pick against the Jets for poor Zach Wilson. It's 23 to nothing with five minutes left in the third quarter. Um, so Jets fans, just, just be just just be prepared. Just be prepared, Jets fans. That's all I can tell you. Just be prepared. Um, and then the. Minnesota Vikings versus Seattle Seahawks game I know is close as well. Let's see here. What are we looking at? Last I looked, Minnesota was still up against, was still up on the Seahawks. And as of right now, it's 24-17. Minnesota Vikings still lead as they're going into the fourth quarter right now. So still a lot of potential. And then, of course, we still have... Um, We still have uh, the Packers versus 49ers tonight. Um, that to me will really give a good indication as far as which, as far as where each one of these teams stand. You'll have Aaron Rodgers coming now into his third game against, to me, what is a bad 49ers team. I don't know what's not clicking with them. Uh, injuries. The only thing they've really had as far as devastating is is their running game. Jimmy G has stayed healthy. Their wide receivers have stayed healthy. Uh, George Kittle is healthy. Their O-line is still pretty healthy. And their, def and their defense is still pretty healthy. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, but we will definitely see. Um, and as for the Packers, you know, they bounce back against the Lions. You know, it's the Lions. Um, you know, you knew eventually Aaron Rodgers was going to say, okay, I need to win this, especially against Detroit. Uh, ended up being able to walk away with W. It was 35-17, to 17, if I remember right. Um, 
But Aaron Rodgers, I believe, is 5-6 and six against San Francisco in his career. Um, and the last few times, San Francisco has definitely shown that they own uh, Aaron Rodgers' number, uh, especially when it goes into one-on-one contention with him. Um, but that's all I got, at least for week three. Uh, week four, of course, starts off this Thursday with the Jags versus the Bengals. Uh, I am going to do a post-Thursday night football show on that on my other network. Uh, again, if you guys like what you hear, if you guys want to hear more, please please subscribe. Please follow me on Instagram at Inside the Hoosier Mind. I'm also on Facebook, Inside the Hoosier Mind. Uh, please give me a follow. And if you want to, of course, interact with me a little bit more personally, uh, I do have a Discord. Link is going to be in the bio, in the Instagram, and on Facebook as well. Hope you all enjoyed the show. Have a good night. Peace.